Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Paul Ryder Tapes. This episode features an extended interview with Monday's drummer Gaz Whelan, who was one of Paul's very best friends. Oh, hang on, I need to put it so that the person speaking is full screen. How do I do that? View. (laughs) Old, old people. eh? Here we go. That's it. I can, I can see your full screen now. I'm going to make it bigger. So I've t- I can't remember how much I've told you about this. I, I, not I, much. Not much, really. Not much. All right. Okay. So basically, um, at the beginning of the year, we talked about it a, more than a year ago, but basically I was doing this podcast about online dating and I played the first episode to Paul because he's it kind of talk, – I talk about him in it, obviously – and um he thought it was really good he's like oh really oh yeah and I said well why don't we do a podcast and and because you know he kept going on about writing a book and I knew that it would never get finished it's we started in January and he was really into it like he'd he'd come over religiously every Sunday and and we'd talk and record we recorded it I can't explain it really but there was on both our sides there was this urgency to get it done before he went to England got to get it done, got to get it finished, got to get that podcast finished. Like, we could have finished it any time, but he mm. kept coming. And he lives two and a half hours drive away. Like, it was a mission mm. to drive over here and do these recording sessions. And sometimes he couldn't do more than half an hour because it really took it out of him. You know, it was like, mm. he said it was like therapy. Anyway, mm. we finally finished it 12 days before he died. Like, how insane is that? And it's really weird because when I got the call, the first thing I said to Amelia was, I knew it. It was like I knew. Yeah, it, well, it was... I, I had a feeling that that, that night I, I, I was saying, got to, went to bed and said to my mum, just phone Linda, tell Paulie, because I've got a bad feeling about this. 
This was midnight, and then she got back. She said, oh, Linda said she checked on him, he's snoring, so he's still alive at midnight. And I was like, all right, okay. But I just didn't have a good fit. And then when they phoned me in the morning, I was like, I know. I wasn't I wasn't surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And then what we'd planned to do was once we'd finished recording everything, which we'd, we'd done, we were going to have people like you, and he was going to talk to you, and we were going to, like, include people that he talks about. Uh, so now, I mean doing it but he's not going to be here but I can look at look of everybody that he talks about you probably pop up the most in terms of references and oh (laughs) oh, God said that so I've done like a list of like things that he talks about and it'd just be nice to get your take on those things too like some of them are funny funny stuff and some of them is the darker stuff but like all of it there's nothing that he's hit that, that he's hiding or trying to bury under the carpet or and I think he just really wanted to like spill it all out it was like really cathartic in a way let's start with the darker stuff because then it's easier well the you tell me what when when the when things started to go wrong like what the first sign of everything going bad was what with the band no with Paul Paul. Uh, I think for me, what I noticed was probably the Allison thing, the Allison affair when she broke up with Allison. And we were in rehearsals once in Cheetah Mill. And I went in and he was just doing heroin. And I just went, What are you doing? And as soon as he said, and he went, I know, as soon as he did that, I, I remember walking out. And that was, I can't, remember, I can't remember when that was. I remember thinking, This is the beginning of the end. I remember that distinctly. He was in the kitchen, the rehearsal room in Cheetah Mill. So he wasn't hiding it, he was doing it in front of everybody. Well, he kind of went into the back room, but he wasn't hiding it. You could walk into the back room. He was just there. You know, he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't hiding it. You know? That was the first time I'd ever saw him do it. Yeah. And what did it make you feel? I just knew it was it. I just knew. I thought, oh, he's, that's it. Because I knew. Because it's Paul's like me in that kind of way. And I, I, I love downers being a stress, stress and anxiety like Paul's. And I thought, oh, that's it. He's, he's, he's not coming back from that. And I thought, that's the end of the band. Because he was always a driving force in the band. And once he was doing that, you know what I mean? And then, and also, from a selfish point of view, I had no ally anymore, you know? Right. And you felt like you needed an ally. Well, I always had an ally. We always were. It was just like me and, me and Paul also. I was like, I didn't say anything. Yeah. And with Sean doing that, we kind of held it together. And as soon as he did that, I thought, well, I'm, you know, we were screwed. Were you angry with Sean? Because that's obviously where he got it from in the first place. Uh, yeah, I was at first, actually. And then afterwards, I was angry at Paul, but I was angry at, Yeah, well, I don't know if he got it from him, but I'm, I presumed, you know. So, yeah, that was my initial reaction was, yeah, 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 that's true, yeah. Okay. And then he talks in a lot of detail about his breakdown and going into Meadowbrook, yeah. and he said that yeah. you, you visited him every day, every day. You were like the one person that really stuck by him yeah. through that. What was that like? Well, I'd... I'd just had a breakdown after I'd come back from Ghana. I was halfway through a joint, and the next thing I was in the fish pond in my boxer shorts, and it was hailstoning. And the doctor said he wanted to section me, but my mum and me talked him out of it. it turned out it was the malaria tablets I'd taken, these larian that got banned later. Wow. But uh, it took me a while, and I was bad for a few months. Everything. So when, and then Paul got sectioned, I was, I was like, just coming out of it. So it's kind of a bit of therapy for me, for myself as well. But I used to go every day and see him. It was just really funny because it was funny because he used to sit there in a room full of smoke. So he loved it because he was smoking. But he used to tell me about all the different characters and who they thought they were and all that. And we used to have a, used to have a good laugh. He used to stay for a couple of hours. And it was kind of cathartic for me as well. 
Yeah. Did you feel like he was going to get better or did you were you worried he wouldn't come out of it? I was worried he wouldn't come out of it. Yeah, because you don't know the mental health, do you? And I didn't know then, you know, we were younger, still in, we were still in our 20s. I so didn't think was, he was going to come out of it. So what? how was he behaving? What was what was the behaviour like that was weird? He was... He wasn't that weird. He just looked... He wasn't... In himself, when we got talking to him, he was fine, he was himself, but he was, he was shaking a lot. Mm-hmm. And he seemed like... A, he just seemed really scared, like he had shell shock. He was really scared. It's like he was in a trench and he didn't want to go over the top. Honestly, he was like, he just seemed really scared all the time. Mm-hmm. Really, really anxious mm. every day. And that didn't seem to get much better. And what did he look like? Do you know what? It's weird because what did he look like? He had days where he, he, looked, he, he looked like he was in a psychiatric ward, you know, his beard had grown out, smoking, his eyes weren't there. You know, the, the textbook symptoms, but but then we got talking about stuff. The thing about him is, as you know, amazing memory for things, remembers all sorts of things. And when you go back in the past and he's kind of eyes lit up, so he can remember, remembers everything, really strangely. Like you'd say it's something, just something benign, an off-the-cuff something for, in 1983. And, you know, when you said that, and you're like, what? You remember things like that, which is really bizarre. Yeah. So, you know, it's like he kind of always... You know what? I, I got the impression... And it kind of hurt him more than me. And it was a bit with me, but I hurt him more. It hurt him more, I could tell. That it was, we knew we'd lost something that we had special as a band. And we was kind of looking back at the good times and kind of reliving him like a, like an old rocker. And I could see that. I could see it really, really ripped him from the inside. I'd kind of had me, but, you know, I, I, he took it a lot harder. It was his band. Yeah. Tell me a bit about the Mundy Head thing, because he, he said that everyone called him Mundy Head. There was a thing in the in the Beatles where they used to say where they talk in the Beatles and this John Lennon and Ringo they're going on about McCartney. There's all in every band. There's always someone who's obsessive and drives a band, and you need them. Everyone else in the band they hate they do the Eddie, but you need them or you never get anything done. Yeah. And they're talking about and uh, Ringo was saying, yeah, we'd be sat in the garden in the summer in Surrey and the phone would go and we'd both look at each other and go, same in it, it's McCartney. And, and George Harrison says, yeah, Monday, uh, yeah, Beetlehead. 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 <laughs> So, so, I, so I used to call him Monday Head because he was obsessed. Am I obsessive? I mean, when we first started, we used to rehearse once a week, and I kind of saw it as a hobby. And for the first few years, because I was younger than him, I never took it serious. And there was one night I didn't even bother going to rehearse because I thought I'm not going. I was going down to the pub, and he literally kidnapped me on the street. I was walking down the street. It's just for a rehearsal. I was halfway down to the pub, and he literally pulled up in his car and dragged me in the car. Said, "You've got rehearsals." You know what yeah. I mean? So and he's upset. But yeah, and he did all the cassettes, he did all the posts, he did everything. It was his band. And I think that's when when the fame thing happened and it all turned to Sean and he lost that kind of power's the wrong word, because he wasn't he wasn't it wasn't a power thing with him. The power's the wrong word, but that kind of being in charge and being in control. And he was also very, very good at not doing anything cheesy or corny. Uh, he's a good teacher for that, and I've learned a lot since that about you know never-ending songs with du, 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 you know and all that and <laughs> all the, and, you know you know what I mean and fitting certain ways and never doing all that and all these kind of you know fast cliche endings that musicians do all bands do them still even yeah. the coolest bands do them so yeah. you know he was and, and once they kind of and also not really getting the credit for for driving us to that point which he did you know and the music. You know, yeah. and other people getting credit for stuff he'd done and telling his story. And I think that hit him hit him a lot harder. I mean, it really pissed me off. But I kind of just accepted it and kind of gone with it. Well, I kind of didn't. I didn't, but it hurt him ten times more than it hurt me. Yeah. Do you feel like Sean never really gave him credit for 
his yeah, position. Yeah, Sean, no, Sean never gave you a kit. No, I don't think so, no. No, he didn't. no. well, I've never heard it. I mean, maybe he might, he might have done on the quiet, but I've never heard him in the press give, give anyone credit, no. Yeah. Do you, do you find it hard to believe that they're actually brothers, given that they're so different? No, they are different, but they're also very similar. It's like me and Paul are very, very different, but really similar. I mean, you know, literally, I know that this sounds really cheesy and cliche, but we could almost read each other's minds. We'd finish each other's sentences, and I'd know what he was thinking. He'd know what I was thinking. He'd say things to each other burst out laughing. So, uh, and he was, and I know that sounds, this sounds really cliche, and it sounds, you know, because he's gone now and all that, but he was like a brother to me. He was like an old, because I didn't have an older brother, an older sister. So he was like an older brother to me. He really was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess and no. But they were they're so different, so so different. But, but similar in a lot of ways as well. But yeah, so different. They're very uh, well, as you know, completely different experience. Both of them. Yeah. So, I just really don't know. It's a shame, I, isn't it? I actually asked Paul the question. This put a shivers down my spine. I asked Paul the question. No, I said to him, "How do you think Sean would feel if he got a phone call saying that you were dead?" Can you believe I asked him that? What did he say? And, and he said. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I was like, no, go on, go there. How, how do you think he'd feel? And he said, I really can't say. I really don't know. And I said, well, how would you feel if you got a call saying he was dead? And he said, oh, I'd be sad. And I said, why? Well, because I'd lost my brother. And I said, well, that what would that mean to you? And he said, well, it would mean that we haven't made up. So it was just like, whoa. Very much the sentiment of him was, that he was sad that they weren't friends. Like, there was still love there for his brother. Oh, despite the fact that he absolutely disliked him and disliked oh, his yeah. behaviour and, and the narcissistic side of things. But there was an emptiness and a sadness there. And it kind of ruined his life, I think. It it, it really dominated his, his psyche for all it, of it, those years. It definitely did. I remember, yeah. was, I remember lots of moments I used to say that to him. And I remember once just yeah. recently, I don't know why this brings to mind, but we sat outside at Greg's at a service station in Staffordshire somewhere on the way to a gig. He was getting really stressed. And he was because of the Sean thing and Sean had said something in the press and he got really upset and all that. And he was popping pills and smoking. He could see it was really bothering him. And I said to him, I said, I said, I know it's it's not for me to say in it. I'm mean, easy to say, but you give him, you give, you give him. If 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 it's bothering you that much, you're giving him the power. Yeah. And, you know, and, and and I know it's he said, and but you know what? We're younger brothers, as you know, they're always seeking, like everyone does with the parents, whether they want to or not, subconsciously, they're always seeking the approval of their older brother and the parents, even when we don't like our parents. Mm-hmm. Or you don't. You just always are, and I think there was always that, and it was. It was really weird. It's because I remember using the analogy with uh, when we lived in Australia. Australians really hated the English, but there was always that. They're always after the kind of uh, they're always after our, our, our Britain season, you know, like uh, they're always after like with bands. What does the British press think, even though they hate you know? And it was kind of weird because he was always after Sean's approval. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And he wanted, he wanted to be friends again. I could see that. Uh, did Sean want to be friends again with him? I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm no. not sure. No, I think. He was, I just don't think, I don't know whether it is an age thing or that, but I just don't think Sean wanted the asshole or the... And I think that's an older brother thing as well. You get a lot of older brothers with younger brothers who just... Younger brothers want to sort things out, the older ones just don't care, you know, don't are interested. Yeah. You know, that's, so I don't know why, but I got the feeling that he didn't want to, but Paul did. Can you remember when you were very first approached to play the drums in the band? Can you remember, like, the very first idea of it and who, yeah. who asked you and what happened? 
It was Bev Lomax in, in my class at school, and her older sister was just getting married to Sean. And then uh, Nigel Day came up to me. He was in another class. He said, oh, my brother Mark's in the band. And they both took the race at the same place. I didn't think they were the same band because, you know, right. completely different people. Oh. That was one of the first time I got asked. And they both came to me out separately. And I thought, oh, Mark's band will be a heavy metal band. I don't want to get involved in all that. And then when, I remember when I turned up at the first rehearsal, I was still at school, and Mark was there. And I, I walked in and saw Sean and Paul, and Mark was there. I'm like, oh, it's the same band. And Paul was very, very quiet, very quiet. And Sean took me to Dallas for a drink after that talk and all that. But I was intrigued by Paul, because Sean, I was a bit loud like Sean. Not, you know, and, uh, and then he tried to get me drunk. I was like, I've got school in the morning. <laughs> He'll tell you, have a whiskey, you'll be all right. And Nana's put Coronation Street on on tape and said, have a drink. I've got school. Anyway, I got off. And the next rehearsals, I was just gravitating towards uh, Paul Oss. And we just hit off straight away. We fell in love straight away. We just straight away, we got on. I think we had I think we had a handful of, I can't even remember how many arguments we had over the years, maybe two, three arguments. That was after we'd split up. Yeah. And we both had, I was drinking too much and he was doing too much. I don't think we ever really, really, we had a, we never fell out, not properly. No. Not during, not during yeah. the band times. After I mean, the band times, you know, people got involved and it got a bit silly, but no, never, never during the band. I mean, never. I think from what I witnessed with the two of you, the only time there was ever any conflict was when you were pissed off because he relapsed again. Remember the time, the Buffalo 66 years, which, which that's the one thing that we forgot to talk about was the whole Buffalo 66 thing. So we may, maybe we should just fill in the fill in the gap well, there. We, that, that, was, that was something where he was... I think I just had Sonny and he was in and out of using. He was trying to stay clean, but he was falling off the wagon all of the time. And I think that completely spoiled the whole Buffalo 66 experience, didn't it? Well, we, it, it was weird. We were in a rehearsal once he stopped put and I was suspicious he was. You know, you, know, you can tell. You, yeah. you, know, you, 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 and me, you and me used to have a shorthand. We just yeah. have to look at each like, other. Okay, you, you you yeah. Look at him, nod, and we didn't even have to say a word. Yeah. Both knew. And he, yeah. and he was, but he was obviously not doing a lot because he was keeping it borderline and his sunglasses on. And I was, that was that suspicious, suspicious in itself. Yeah. And then one day he said, I've got to go, I'm going to go out and get something to eat in rehearsals. I said, OK, so it'll be about half an hour. And he went out in the car, but what he didn't know was the car park camera was in the rehearsal room <laughs> and his car was right under the camera. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he sat in the car. Oh. And we were just watching him. Right. I was just like, and I remember I wasn't even angry, but I was just you know what it's like. You get you get it's not it's it's, it's different than anger, isn't it? It's just like a real yeah. kind of yeah. First of all, you feel betrayed, then you realise that's just selfishness on your behalf. On our well, not for me, not for you, you've got family, it's different, but for me, you know, as a friend. And then it was like, fucking hell, why, 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 what to do? And 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 then what, what do I do when he comes in? Do we approach him? And I mentioned it, and then he, he denied it. And I went, well, there's no point in doing it in front of everybody. Yeah. And he denied it. And then, then, then he'd go over the top being over denying it, which is another sign he used to do, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he used to clean the house. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I, remember he just, I think he said he'd just come back from one of them, one of the rehabs you'd pay for when he was in, in West Indies somewhere. Oh, or something. Yeah. yeah, and I remember thinking, well, if you're not going to, you know, and I was just like, <sighs> I was thinking, I, I, this is, you know, I, when you're not an addict, you think it's going to be easy, and you think you're going to go in rehab, they're going to come out, and all's going to be dandy. And it's not, it's the root yeah. that's the problem. It's not the addiction, yeah. it's the root of the addiction, isn't it? Yeah. And it's kind of naive to think that, you know, yeah. it would be. But, and it was great because he came in the band and he just brought so much to it. It was brilliant. Yeah. You know, we did that Ian Brown tour, it was brilliant, you know. Oh, yeah, the Ian Brown tour. I'd forgotten about mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was brilliant. And he got us that tour. Paul got us that tour because he was in touch with him. Yeah. yeah. And then he did the 
big arm tour after that. I yeah, think, was big I only seen him in the, his first big arm gig at the at the Eagle in Salford. I walk upstairs and he was just saying he was so nervous and he was fucking brilliant. And I'm not just saying that because it, because I, I he was he was brilliant. I thought I'd take some bottle to do that. The Eagle in Salford. The Eagle. That was the first. And uh, the King's Arms, not the Eagle. The King's Arms. Sorry. In the King's Salford. Arms, yeah. In Salford upstairs. It's it's kind of town really in the middle of town. It was the first gig he did. It was an in the city thing, I think. And oh. it's off there, just off Deansgate. You go down that hill. Right. It's just there under the arches near Victoria bus station. It's past right. the Salford. It's kind of centre town. And that was a big arm gig, was it? I don't know. It was the first gig he ever did as a singer. Right. And he was okay. shaking like a leaf. I know, yeah. He was good, though, wasn't he? He was brilliant. I, I, absolutely. Obviously, we stood with Pat and we were like, I, you, you stood there. It's like, you, you know, watching your kid at the activity play, like, Get the first words out, and he did, and he was brilliant. And the old gig was brilliant. Yeah, you know, and he did that kind of Terry Hall thing, which worked perfect for him. He did. He sort of channeled Terry Hall and Bernard Sumner, I think. Yeah, it was. No, he did, bit... but that worked perfect for him. It worked yeah. perfect for him. Yeah, brilliant. Derek, he he talks about your close relationship with Derek, and is that, how... is that the dark? Is that, is that the dark stuff done? I'm sure there'll be bits of dark. What yeah, else of course is that? that I mean, we've, you know, the heroin addiction we've talked about, like it, it's, we've talked about how destru destructive and disruptive it is and how he, like that, it led to him getting kicked out of Buffalo 66. It probably led to the demise of him being in the Mondays for a, lo a long time. Without um, a doubt, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, he gave up the, when they got the Oasis, when, when the Oasis tour came up, the which involved yeah. Australia, Sonny had just been born. He, that's right. when he left, and he left because he was worried he'd relapse because of Sean. But yes, I mean, he ended up relapsing that. anyway, didn't he? Yeah. Well, even even up to the last few gigs, approaching the venue, the gig, he'd always pop a pill and say, "What's that?" His anxiety. Yeah. And he was, you could see the, the dressing room would come in and they'd turn and just say, "Sean's five minutes away," and you could see it, it physically. Yeah. You could see him. Not twitching, but you know, you could see. I could see it in him. You mean in the in this lot of gigs, like recently? Yes, oh, right yeah. into the last gig. Yeah. I mean, he was technically clean and sober from street drugs, but he was on so many psychiatric meds and anti-anxiety meds, I agree. and he never learned to actually do well without it. The only Don the day, the last gig he did, the Mondays, I didn't do it. It was Isla White. I didn't get. I couldn't get out of Canada, so I didn't uh -huh. do the last gig he did, which for me is is an awful. But you know, it, yeah. I think, but every gig, even up to the last one I did with him, you could see within five minutes going on stage, he was, I used to think he, had, he was nervous going on stage and I don't think he was nervous going on stage. And you could see, you know, sometimes Sean would, ah, kidding, he'd say something and he was, he was, you could see he was bothered if Sean was going to say something about him. Yeah. I, I had the earphones in, so I can't hear what's going on, but I'd say to him after, what did he say? And he'd go, oh, nothing, or he said either. And he'd shout, he'd say something back, he, you know, it was, yeah. he wouldn't, but... Yeah, he, he was always always really really nervous, and I always thought it was, and you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, I suppose the other dark thing to talk about is like the last days. You've noticed that there was something wrong. Do you want to just talk about how well, he arrived? He, he used to he used to arrive at Linda's, and obviously I used to go around. He, he arrived about three days before he was rehearsing. Two days, I think it was his time, and he just looked like uh, he just sat still, and he kept saying, "Jaws aching, jaws aching." I've got. I can't hear anything. I've got food in my ear. But he, he had panic in his face. You know, he looked panicked. He was scared. And he'd had it a couple of times before, but he looked scared. 
and he couldn't physically move. And I thought, I, was, I thought, is that a stroke? Or is he going to have a heart attack? Something you could tell there was something more than just, you know, uh, that a, we did a COVID test and a COVID. He knew it was something else. He wasn't yeah. that. But obviously, I have no idea what it was, but he's just something. And then the next day, he wasn't any better. And then, the, and then uh, Saturday afternoon, he said, I've got to get to rehearsal. So listen, don't go to rehearsals today. You don't need to. Just stay here and I'll come back and see you afterwards. Or if you can get there later, I think Amelia's going to take him to Dean's get time, get his ears syringed on the way. And I said, well, don't stress if he was rehearsing cheap. No, don't stress if you don't get there. But then he turned up at rehearsal and he sat him in the chair next to him and he put his bass around him. And he, he, he just sat there, his hand on his bass. And then he tried to play and he couldn't play. And he just said, I can't hear. And I remember... Sometimes people exaggerate, but I was talking to him much at the side, and he wasn't acknowledging me at all. So he was completely deaf. He wasn't just lost; he was completely deaf. And then we were we, we just finished. We said, "Oh, we'll finish. We won't call it a day." And Paul, I said to him, "Take him home. He'll be fine. Just go home, you know, and rest." And on the way, I just said, "Right, I'll see you later." I don't know where he heard me. And I went, and I got, it's funny. I got in the car, I drove off. I thought, and I didn't know anything was happening. I don't know, but I just thought, "Oh, he was feeling ill. Really. He was feeling ill. I should have given him a hug." And I didn't. I just said, "See ya." But I, I'm. And I did that. I didn't. I thought if I give him a hug, he'll think, "Why are you hugging me? You think there's something about me?" Because <laughs> he knew me. So I thought, I thought that's why I did it. But I still should have done it. And I thought, oh. And then I did just cross my mind. And then afterwards, all the things started coming up. He wasn't. He wasn't right the last few days. He was different than I've seen him in, as you have, in loads of different states and in loads of bits of illness. And this was different. He wasn't. Mm. He looked scared. He looked scared. Yeah. Yeah. What do you put it down to? What do you think happened? I mean, the the death, the cause of death being ischemic heart disease and diabetes. I was like, come on, you know, that I don't know. Well. I mean, I, I know it's been talked about before, but he, he did get a booster jab three weeks before and then flew. And that, I mean, I... I, I that was three I, weeks before. Three weeks before. If it wasn't the day, Sean said it was the day before. It wasn't. It was three weeks I, I didn't know that, right, three weeks before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't had any of them because I don't trust them, so you know, no. I haven't had a single shot. But, uh, would you have been shocked at any point if someone phoned you up and said Paul's had a heart attack? I mean, because I wouldn't, because he's never broken a sweat in his life, has he? The symptoms that you were describing are not correlated with a heart no, attack, are they? No... Some sort of clot, doesn't it? it was, I mean, yeah. there was no chest pain, there was no shortness of breath. Yeah. Uh, He's, he kept saying his jaw here and his jaw his ears, and there was pressure here, which would like I mean, that's the first thing he said. There was yeah. no, he never said, I mean, he had no problems breathing. He was, yeah. was none of that. No, no, yeah. that would even uh, though he smoked like a troop. When he was 18 and he joined the band, he hadn't, uh, he didn't smoke, and we all smoked. And I said to him, Why don't you smoke? Because everyone smoked. And he said, Oh, all that backwards and forwards with the arm. It's going to be like too much hard work. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and I was like, I just, just and I can remember we sat in the morning star when he said it. I remember just looking at him going, Oh god, that's brilliant. Just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How did you handle it when you got the call? Like did you were you shocked? Yes and no. Uh one, like I said, if anyone had called me anytime he said he had an heart attack or it, I wouldn't have been. And same with me, because we're both anxious and people with anxiety get, you know. Uh but and because of what happened the night before, and when the phone call went, he was Dan, and Dan never calls me. And I went, is it, is it Paul? He's like, it's horse. And he went, yeah, you better sit down. I went, oh, I know you don't have to tell me. I know what it is. And, I, and it didn't, uh, I kind of just started running around the house and moving around trying to do something. I, tried, I went for a walk and tried to kind of digest it all. And it was just, I'm getting upset now. 
I just, uh, you know, it, it's weird, isn't it, when people close to you like that die, when you, you, you understand it and take it in, but then you don't really, do you? You do and you don't. It's like, Vanessa, said to, Vanessa said to me the other week, can't believe Paul's not here anymore. You know, Vanessa never saw him. She's only once a year or something. I was with you. I can't believe. And she said, you know what? She went, he was always really nice to me. And she's really funny. And I said, that's a thing. And that's what I was saying. The gig people don't understand how funny he is. You know, because people, he's funny. Even Paul Davis, the two funniest people I've ever met in your life. The funniest man in the world. Really funny. And clever funny. You know, not silly yeah. funny. Clever right. funny. Yeah. And uh, and, and and then Mark phoned and Mark was absolutely beside himself. And I went and when I got out to London, he was just bawling his head out. And he said, and he had an argument with Sean and him, and, and, and he said, I just can't cope. I've got to, got to go. And he said, but I don't want to leave him. And I've never seen Mark like that ever. ever. And even the first gig we did in Scotland without without us, without Paul, and we was driving home, and Mark just leaned over to me and said, "We're going to be home on time." And I went, "I know." He went. It's not the same without stopping every 30 minutes for Paul to have a cig and you have a piss. <laughs> so I have a piss every 30 minutes and she has a cig. And he said, and he just looked at me and Mrs. Mark and tears rolling down his eyes. He just put his head on my shoulder and we both just started. And, and we're going all Hollywood, but we both just started tears through now. And it was just really, and you know what? And Rowetta as well. She took it really bad. And she's been really good on the stage. Every gig she's mentioned him. Every gig. Every gig. Yeah. Yeah. Must yeah, be really must be really difficult doing gigs with him not being there how do you, manage do you know it's, it's just weird because uh, we, we never really we used we had this thing of just not like glancing and looking at any, any if i would do anything slightly fancy <laughs> i'd look over i knew he was, he was burning me out and burning the back of my head with his eyes you know what i mean I just thought, and i knew he'd be like oh we both <laughs> any of us make a little mistake we'd look at each other and be like Ugh. you know <laughs> you know no one else would spot it and it's just very yeah, yeah, it's weird. I, I just, I, I've gone into, I have what's called an ear suite. So I have one ear in when I've got all the sound and one out. So I have them both in now. And I just, yeah. it's, really, it's really, 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 really strange. But yeah. I've still got my last message to him that he never replied to. It is. Oh, I don't know if you can see that, but I'm just asking him at the very end, the bottom one, how are you feeling? Right. You see that? Yeah. Wow. Do you feel him around? Like, what? what's your belief? Do you feel like he's kind of got any kind of consciousness going on? Well, like, it's hard, isn't it? But well, on one stage you do, if I'm doing anything. I'd, uh... Yeah, but you know what? He, he, whenever anything I do, I was talking about this the other night, we do these gigs and these Q&As, and we start by, the guy starts by saying, you know, about Paul Ryder, and every night, every night he gets a standard ovation. I'm not just saying that, honest, every night, every right. night's brilliant. He's just the guy just says before we start, so I just start, you know, I was like Paul Ryder. I say, yeah, because he starts to back start the band. And every every night, honestly, every night, and every gig when Rowett said it, every the old cheer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apparently he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame memorial section. Yes. Yes. Oh yes, I see that. Someone sent him a and I know all posthumously, all the things he would have wanted, he's got posthumously oh, out there. Oh my god. And the funeral, the star-studded funeral. You know what? It, it, the irony in it, I know that's what I, you know. What that didn't go unnoticed by me. I knew, I knew you felt the same. It's funny because all these things. It's like you know, I wish people fucking told him when he was alive. It's I, all no, you know. I, I know, know. everything. Every I used to get. It's funny after the gig. I just said, I said, oh, I sort of love that. You know, he loved it, and and, and, and the same with all. It's the same thing, you know. He, then he gets the recognition he deserves, and it's posthumous, and it's and it is too fucking late. Yeah. 
Um, no, it's all the people say it's never too. It's too late. Should have got it when he was alive. Yeah. But you know, and it's yeah, and, and every night we talk about it in a. Even when I'm playing guitar or writing my own songs, every single time I do something, if there's anything slightly that might be slightly cheesy, he's there. It's I also because he taught me because he was my teacher when I was I was 15 when I joined the band. So he was yeah. a teacher when we started writing songs and doing music. And and I'm not just saying this. This is honestly from the heart. This is true. Every single whenever I'm creating anything, he's always there, making sure that I don't do anything cheesy. Yeah. Oh, that's been even when we you know he was always the one you do something when you're writing songs. Look at say here you go. You go oh, that's cheesy. I won't do that. You know you just give you that you know that look. Yeah. Looking like. <laughs> so yeah. So, so yeah. So in that way, yeah, his DNA lives on in everything I do. Yeah. But whether he's around consciously, I hope so. Talk a little bit about the funeral. What you thought? Well, just that what we said. He would. He would have loved to have been there. <laughs> you know, sat in the sat in the seat at the back. You know, not not too. You wouldn't want to walk too far. Yeah, he wouldn't have stayed long either, would he? He would have. He would have left. He would. He was heavy. Oh, right, yeah. His guitar's in there with him. What? Or his cigs. <laughs> Six. You know what? I was going to... I had a TK Maxx empty bag I was going to bring with me, put in my coffee before it went in, and I bottled it at the last minute. I thought someone might say, it's bad taste, that. We, we, no, me and Amelia were saying we're going to give everybody a goodie bag, a TK Maxx bag with a, pa- a packet of Pall Mall, some sweets, and I can't remember what the other things were, <laughs> like a little goodie bag for everyone at the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I struggled from start to finish, to be honest with you. And, he, and then at Bez's wedding, I struggled as well. I was that's to Amelia at Bez's wedding, I got really upset. Did you? What, just because he wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, well, we kind of, Amelia sat next to me and I said, uh, I was just thinking, it was funny because I was just thinking, me and Vanessa, Vanessa was sat next to me, was there, I was there and Amelia was there. And Vanessa said, uh, Paul should be here, shouldn't he? And I went, yeah. And then literally 30 seconds later, Amelia said, my dad should be here. Literally, you know, probably about a minute or something. I was like, wow, you know. And I got that kind of, got me a bit upset. Yeah. But yeah the yeah. funeral struggled from start to finish. And even at the, you know what? I went back afterwards for a drink and I had one and I left. And I left because I didn't want to hear people, you know, when you go afterwards, you hear people saying how great they're, how, friend, how great their friendship was, how great, who weren't, who he hated and they didn't like. There weren't many of them people there. There weren't you know, many, but there was, there was a handful, wasn't there? A handful. And I knew... I won't be able to just, you know, I won't be able to, I won't be able to say, oh yeah, I, I just have to say, yeah, but you fuck. And I, and I, I didn't want and I didn't want any of the, the, the lip service and nonsense and all. I just got to get away. And I, and I justified it myself by going, that's what I would have done. He'd have slipped <laughs> off me, wouldn't he? He was, he would have gone home early. He was, yeah, he really you know, was. So I justified that with myself. And it, it's like, it's funny because it, it, gigs, we liked it quite before and quite afterwards. And we used to just, we used to always, it's like now we do gigs, I'm the only one getting the van back to the hotel first on my own. It was always me and ours, you know. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, I think like every day, I just like to say, look for the phone of the day and met it. And it you know, all right, anyway, you know, yeah. But, but yeah, what he does, he lives on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember his his drinking because he wasn't a massive drinker when we were younger. Was he No, no. I mean, he'd he'd have a drink. And then, but as the time went on with the band, he started to drink more and more. As As a band... When the fame hit the band, that's when he started drinking more, Paul. He was never a big... I mean, he'd drink, but because he always yeah. drove, he liked to drive everywhere. He didn't right. drink. He was always a, always a designated driver, so right. he didn't drink. He yeah. used to, I mean, he used to drink shandy most of the time, up right. until up until the band was successful. He used to drink shandy. Really? Because he, yeah. ta- he talks about going to the pub when he was 14 and going... Well, when... no, well maybe he did when he was out, because that was a kind of right of passage. Maybe he did when he was 14, 15, 16. But when he, he passed his test, he drove, he didn't. He was on Shandy's because he was he was, he was was driving everywhere. Mm. He, he just went to the pub on them people and he had Steffi went out with for a long time, you know. He didn't. He wasn't a big drinker. But it's funny, I, I only noticed this when I was thinking about this recently. As the fame progressed, he drank more and more and more. Right. Yeah, and obviously, and got into got into coke at one point. Him and him and PD got into it quite badly. Do you think that the fame caused the addiction, or do you think that the addiction would have happened anyway? I think I think the addiction would have happened anyway. I don't think I don't think the fame had anything to do with it. I think quite the opposite, actually. I think the loss of the loss of control in the band with the fame contributed it to it, but not the fame. Not because I mean you could. You know, he's like me, he doesn't like the attention, but he wanted uh, acknowledgement for what he'd done right. and what he achieved. And that, I think that pissed him off and maybe that contributed, but the actual fame and the finger, no, I don't think that did personally. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was pissed off that the, him and the band never got any credit for anything. Yeah. And he took that really personal. Uh, and and the fact that Sean wouldn't write an album with with him. <laughs> Like that, he wanted. He t- he told the story about when you and him went to meet McGee in Hollywood. Yeah, in Hollywood, yeah. yeah. And, and McGee said, "Oh yeah, Sean wants to write all the music." And and and, uh, and, and then we both, me and Paul, both just said, "Well, it's not a Money's album; it's a Sean Ryan album." He said, "Yeah, but he reckons us, we, we, it'll be a hit." And we went, "But we're in the situation we are now because we wrote the we did all did the music. We was a band, you know." And he said, "Well, Sean reckons it was the producers that wrote all the hits." And I went, well, have a look at the have a look at the publishing. It's not. And it wasn't the producers. It was songs that were hit before the publishers got involved. The, yeah, the producers okay. got into, involved. And I just said, and McGee, and I think McGee still believes that. Really? He said it to us at a gig in in, in Scotland, a festival somewhere, me and Paul had gone on to him. He asked us again, and we said, no, we wrote the fucking songs. We wrote that song, you know, people's... You wrote for looks and all that, people's very favourite songs. And he said, Yep, Sean said that it was the producers. He's adamant it was the producers who wrote that song, it's not you lot. And we were like, oh, I said to Miggy, I don't think he's, I think he's pulling your leg. I don't think he's being serious. We were like, No, I think he is. So I don't know whether he's being serious or not. I don't I think know. it's just that he wants to, to, uh, Undo the importance of the musicians. I think Sean. Yeah, maybe. Like... I don't know. It's very, it's very difficult with singers and musicians, especially when 
there's a bit of there's always separation in bands with singers and musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all there's always is, mm-hmm. and I think they both don't get each other, and I think you know, mm-hmm. it causes lots of issues. It's a very different monster being a, a musician to being a frontman or being a front. You know, it's very, it's really different. So I, I yeah, so I don't know. There's no logic though in cutting you out. Like if if that has been the magic formula up to this point, then why change that? Why mess that up? Well, why cut you I, out? I don't understand. I think I think he thinks that, uh, and I've said this. I think he thinks that maybe we'll be stuck in the past and just want to make tunes like we used to do. And he wants to do something more modern, more contemporary. And that's not the case. I want to do something more contemporary. I want to do something. You know, it's a tough one because you want to, you've got a fan base, so you've got to have some sort of link between the past. But you don't want to sound like the past. Yeah, yeah. And actually, and, and and you know what? It's it's difficult writing music with few people because you end up having to compromise. Mm. It's easy with our one or two writers. Because mm-hmm. when it's three or four, yeah, you end up compromising or, you know, it's difficult. So I think if maybe thinks it's just going to be, it would be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So the writing process in the past was always that it was the musicians that wrote the music and he would come in after the music was written and do the melodies and the lyrics. Like he had no involvement in the actual musicianship. He had no involvement in the music and we had no involvement in the lyrics. No, we used to start off with usually bass line or some keyboard a lot of, a lot of times with PD later on, but early on, was bass line and then uh, drums and then Mark had always put some great guitar and Sean would sit on the floor scribbling and singing. And then, so, so I always start, start with music. You know, I can never come in with lyrics and then we try to do it. You know, it was always the music first and then that's just how we did it yeah, back then, yeah. It's funny how he's got this mental block. It's it's odd, but just beggar's belief, really. I don't understand. No, I don't know. It's com- Bands are complicated, aren't they? Musicians yeah. are complicated, I don't know, you know. People, and also... People have their own ideas of what makes a band work, or you know, and everyone thinks it's their part that's the most important. Or yeah, their, you know, everyone just 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 that's just bands, and you know. Do you think the tension between Sean and Paul actually helped and added to the magic of the Mondays? Do you think without that tension, there wouldn't have been the magic? I don't think so. I don't think it did. I don't think it did. Maybe early on, but I don't think so. Because what? when because when, we, when we were writing, there weren't there wasn't a lot of tension, a lot, a lot of friction. Right. We didn't really, you know, we never really st- stepped on each other's toes. Any of us, mm. we were all very diplomatic when it came to writing music. So I don't think, no, I don't, I don't think so. Then maybe between them in their own in their own heads, but I didn't, I didn't say anything like that. No. Well, do you think the opposite is true that if there hadn't been that sibling rivalry, that the Mondays would have had? many more albums and been more productive and had more output? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, there's a m- many number of things why we didn't. You know, we all blame each other and we all, we were all to blame, every one of us, every one of us. Uh, maybe. I'd, I, uh, both are good questions, actually. Maybe I'm completely off the mark with both. I didn't... I didn't really notice it in the early days. I'm younger than, than them both, so I didn't really see it in the early days as much. It was only later on when I, when I kind of saw that. And, and they were both very uh, cautious not to show it in public, part of the time when we were in the jungle in Panama they started arguing. And then the, 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 the argument ended up with them both arguing who had the biggest belly. <laughs> oh, you got to tell us about this. I don't know oh. this Oh, it's a brilliant story. So we go, we go to this in the, in the Amazon. So we go down to the river and there's some guy interviewing from a local Panama Times or whatever. So he does interview. He's right, photographs. Can you get your drumsticks and you get your guitar and stand in the river and have your photographs taken? I mean, you know, I swear, 
no, it's not the Swinton Journal. You know, like them local newspapers when you do that. I'm not doing that. I remember. And Sean, that. Sean went into a rant saying, you know, you do what you were supposed to be done. You know, don't be doing, getting all precious and all that. So then them two started arguing. We went, so we went out of the river. And and, and, uh, and then uh, Sean was saying, this is how the TV works. And Paul said, no, Angela was involved. She knows the, the producer, director, you know, blah, 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 blah. and the argument went on back and forth for ages. And one of them was stood in a canoe. Paul stood in a canoe, Sean was on the shoreline. And they were arguing. And then he said, well, well you're just fat and lazy. You're fat and lazy. And one got the belly out. He said, look at my belly. They both had the bellies out going, my belly's bigger than yours. Your belly's bigger than I've got diabetes. He said, I've got heart You know, they both back. And everyone was just stunning shot. And, and he got to the point before that, me and Bez were trying to split it up. And at that point, me and Bez just burst out laughing. And I remember me and Bez sat on the bank, just couldn't stop laughing. And what was brilliant was the guy who was, who was the uh, director of it all, and it would set it all up, the interview. After it finished, uh, the guy was our manager then. He was apologising to the director went, oh, no, 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 it's fine. I've got a brother and we're exactly the same. <laughs> were they um, filming the argument? Did, they, did it end up on camera, the argument? Yeah, but I don't think they ever used it. They didn't yeah. use it. Oh, that would yeah. have been the best bit. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Oh, it was so funny. I literally had the bellies out arguing. It was just the biggest. Honestly, it was really, it was just, but they were angry at each other. And it was just Why? so comic. What was the point of trying to prove they had a bigger belly than the other one? I think one that they weren't as mobile, so they, they were they were they were being like being so getting in the water was being like you know being really heroic. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> it was, but Paul, Paul, you know, I was on point. He was right. I thought he was right. You know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I got Sean's point as well. You know, you've got to do your president. But Paul's like, you know, in the water, it looks like we're in the. No, you wouldn't have your bass guitar in the river, would you? Well, it just looked just like one of them that young, and Paul's very conscious of, of how visually how we were seen, and that's what that was. Yeah. And, that, and you know what? That stood us in that stood us in good stead from day one. So yeah. you know, so I, I, you know, he he was right. But then again, Sean was saying, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a newspaper in Panama, and I was going to see, you know, and and then Paul, well, so what? The man then does it, so then they just went, up. and it's like, but it was like <laughs> a proper like an old argument. And they used to have fights when they were younger. They used to stand toe to toe fighting, oh, punching yeah. each other. I remember one in Birmingham. Um, that broke out in the rehearsal room and I was filming for something else at that point and Rowetta marched me out with the camera. Were you there on the... You must have been. When London Records came to see you when you were in the school and bricks came through the window. Can you tell me about that? It was a girl I used to go out with. We was always hanging out outside, I hadn't gone out with her. So we, I don't know whether it was her or not. We always thought it was her, but we have no proof it was her or her friends. We have no idea it could have been her. But it was in this old Methodist church school. And it was a safe area. It was a nice area. It wasn't a bad area or anything. And London Records Publishing came up to see it. No, London Records came up to see it. You're right, not the publishing came up. And uh, they came in and they said, oh, what's it like? You know, and they said, oh, we couldn't find Manchester. We couldn't find this. And they came in. We said, oh, it's, the car's okay. We said, yeah, it's fine. It's safe around here. I don't think they've even been up north. So yeah, it's completely safe up here. It's fine. It's a, it's no, it was a low crime area. Wall, but it wasn't a bad area. And literally ten minutes through the first song, the brick came through the window, and they just all dived on the floor like it was under it was under mortar attack. And we, because we were so nervous and wanting them to hear the song, we all carried on playing. So they thought this must be a regular occurrence. They didn't flinch when this happened, which wasn't the case. We just, and then when it finished, when it finished. Derek said something brilliant. When he finished, Derek broke the ice and went, we must be getting better. And he went, why? He went, last week it was two bricks. That's a real Derek one as well, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
super. And then, and, then, and then they left and that was it. Well, no, they said uh, they wanted us to dress up like culture. They said you didn't have an image. Yeah, and Paul was really angry at that. I remember Garby's like, he thought we were Mormons. Everyone thought we were Mormons. Everyone, people go, you, you. the point was, when first I went to my side, this guy comes to his restaurant and went, are you guys Mormons? Like, what is haircuts and little beards and the clothes, the cords and all that? You, we, we've got it all the time. You guys, Mormons. Honestly, we must have got it about three or four times in the early yeah. days. You guys, Mormons. Yeah, all the time. And it and was a very boy look. Yeah, but we'd got onto the kind of goatee beard and the, and then he, he was like, and he said the guy who was with him from the uh, when the record said, uh, "Are you a Christian band?" And we went, "No." <laughs> Why? He went, "No, because the clothes. Are, are you Mormons?" And we went, "No." <laughs> And then, and then someone, Sean, and then Sean said something like, "It's what they dress like on football terraces." Gaz is a football hooligan, which of course I wasn't. Right, it's a football, but he just said, you know, to, to get the point across. And Derek said, "Football hooligan, Gaz. He has to run round in the shower to get wet." <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul, and then Paul said, "Yeah, if Gaz is at a fight, he couldn't put a cig out." <laughs> Brilliant. I remember that really clearly. That Brilliant. night. Derek's influence at the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, Derek did everything. If it wasn't for Derek, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done anything. He brought the PA in. You know, uh, obviously he was a bass player. Uh, Paul listened to him a lot, but obviously I mean, Derek and Sean, uh, Sean didn't want. You don't want your dad around here when you're doing that. You know, you don't. You know. It mm. must be that's what I thought early on. It must be really difficult. You, you know, you're in a band, you have a bit of a wild time and so on and that, and your dad's driving the van and doing the sound and everything. You know, right. so it, it was difficult because we loved, you know, we loved it. It was great, but it must have been really hard. It must have been really hard for Sean Paul. It must have been really hard for him. Mm. You know, I didn't really appreciate the times. You don't as a kid, you don't think about it, do you? Right, but he didn't really behave like a kind of a shielding parent, did he? He kind of he was one of the lads, wasn't he, Derek? Not early on, early on, he, he kind of was when we, yeah, when, he, when we got a proper crew and he got on board with the crew, he was he was great, yeah, he was. But early on, mm-hmm. he had to, you know, he was one in charge of everything, had to keep us in control, but, you know, and we used to make fun of him sometimes, and he used to just ignore us and go on a bit, but we, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have left the rehearsal room. We always, and I said, luckily, the, before he died, the last time I seen him, I went around and I said to him, you know, I just said, thanks, you know, without you, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have got anywhere. You know, glad, and, and funny because I said to Paul, I said, I went to see Derek last night, your dad. I never called him your dad because he used to just laugh when we said that, yeah. your dad. And I used to say, awesome last night. I just said, thanks for doing that. I said, oh, you'd appreciate it. I'm glad, I'm glad you did that. He said, I say it to him all the time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I know Paul, you know, Paul, dad, Derek were really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Have you got any yeah. good Derek store, any good Derek anecdotes from being on tour with him? <laughs> Got a great uh well about Barry, did Derek and Barry, Derek and Barry. We did uh, the Colourfield tour and Barry, Barry Seddon, Derek's partner, was with us. And Barry was always saying he was in the Rolling Stones, and Derek goes, Oh, he did it tour of the Stones, tour of the Stones. And Barry said, I've done drugs all around the world with the Rolling Stones, I've done all that rock and roll, you can't show me anything. And he looked like a little skinny Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Barry. Spit of him, but dead skinny. And he was kind of the stooge. Yeah, he was like the Bobby Ball of their double act, you know what I mean? And uh, we had to sleep in the van. We had no money for a hotel on a, on a services in Leeds. And I woke up in the morning, looked behind me, and he was injecting himself. And I freaked out. And I was like, Barry was injecting himself. And I was like, I was like, all day, you know, we've all been taking the piss out of him. He really is. 
he's been like the rock and roller. He's still doing it now in his 40s. And all day I was really quiet and I, I didn't know how to bring it up. And we did the sound check at the gig and went backstage before it was going on. And everyone was in the room. We'd had a bit after a couple of beers, I loosened my tongue and I said, saw Barry injecting in the van this morning and they all burst out laughing. So we all laughing at. And Paul went, he's a diabetic, you <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I think oh. he's injected into his leg. I think he's injected into his leg near his knee, if I remember. I can't remember a long time ago. Oh, God. It's a bit grim. Okay, so Paul tells a very, very funny story about when you played Wembley for the first time. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? And no. you grab him at the end of, after you've come off stage and you say, we did it, we did no, I did it, I did it, I did it. Oh, right. <laughs> I played at Wembley. Right. Do you know what he's, do you know what the story is that he tells? I'll go and tell me. Go on. <laughs> and he was thinking that you meant, oh, I played at Wembley, played at Wembley. And you're like, no, I wore women's knickers all the way through the gig. Oh, that was... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I've forgotten all about that. Can't believe it. I'd, how do you remember that? I'd forgotten about that. I mean, it's... Keith Moon had done it once or something, so he had to do it. And I, just, I can't believe that's unbelievable. How do you remember? How do you remember things like that? See, I completely forgot that. Would you forget that? I've completely forgotten it. I remember it now. Brilliant. So I remember it now. I do remember it now. But I, I, I'd completely forgot about that. There you go. But I remember because Keith Moon had done it, bloody hell. Oh, you did it because Keith Moon did it? Keith Moon has allegedly done it, yeah. Right, okay. Brilliant, brilliant. All right. Um, how did you feel when Paul left the band in 2000? So you just got this Oasis yeah. tour. How did I that... Think make... I think it was Australia tour before Oasis. Yeah. It was Australian tour, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. I didn't want to do the tour. Uh, I don't think Bez wanted to do the tour. But I think we had to do it, so I think it was all booked and sold. Why, did uh, you want to, why didn't you want to do it? Well, first of all, from a selfish point of view, panic, because, you know, as a drummer and bass player, Paul, you know, we hooked in together and getting someone new to play, uh, someone who we didn't know. He'd always, also, don't forget, Paul was like my older brother, so it was like a crutch that I, I kind of needed. Uh, I knew it wouldn't be as good. Uh, I knew it was also... So it was the first time he'd never done a Mondays gig. He'd done every single gig till then. He'd never not, he'd never missed one. That's the first. So I knew, and you know how much it meant to him. You know as much as I do how much it meant to him. And I knew if he wasn't doing that, it was serious. Mm. So that was a that was a that was I think that as well. And uh it was fucking rubbish. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was rubbish, yeah. I can't, yeah. I don't even know who played bass, I don't even know who did it. I've what got about, 
the wilderness years? Oh, was... the, the, the fake Mondays. Yeah. You know what? Kind of that was a. I never really saw that as a Mondays. It was a weird, it was a weird thing because we, I was doing, we were doing, I was doing more DJ than gigs, and they did gigs without me as well, without telling me. They did a few gigs without telling me. Oh, wow. I, I didn't do they didn't tell one they did in Barcelona at the films, and I didn't even know they'd done the gig because I wouldn't because it was the guy who was the manager, it was his brother who was doing the film, and they all had it was all you know anything I didn't agree with, they didn't tell me. So they, they were things where I was backwards and forwards to Australia. They were doing gigs and I didn't I wasn't involved in it. And they did this gig in Barcelona and put it out on DVD. I didn't know anything about it. And even I did he even said on it at one point, I'm playing on it, and I'm not, I wasn't even there, I didn't know anything about it. Wow, it was a strange time. Doing a lot more DJing, and what I was doing, I was doing what was I doing? I was doing my football coaching, and I wasn't really taking it that serious. And I don't know what it was. I think I just did it for the money, to be honest with you. I mean, that that yeah. was basically it. Yeah. I think it was just for the money. Yeah, but it was very strange times. I don't I've got much recollection of it, but I've got a lot of I bet we did a few gigs though. Mm. We did Japan twice, well, once. What about when the the band reformed again in like this last incarnation? That would have been twenty twelve. Do you remember how that came about? I remember we found out about it by reading about it in the Sun. That was a tactic to announce it in the press that everybody was reforming again. Yeah, same you, with me. I didn't know. You found, out, you found out about it that way as well. Yeah, yeah. I was in Canada, so I was like, "What?" And then, uh. And I'd seen these emails off someone. I didn't know who it was, so I never even opened them. Thought it must be someone I'm not even open, so I didn't open them. And then I missed a phone call, so I thought, oh, it may be. So I phoned him back, and he he was like really angry at me. Oh, you phoned me now, are you? And I went, who are you? What are you? Who are you? What is it? And he got really angry, and I went, oh, fuck off! I put the phone down. Then I got an email from him saying, you know, I can't remember. I went, but yeah, it was all very, very strange. It was all. Yeah, it wasn't a good feeling to be honest. With you. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't. But we kind of, I think me and Paul were optimistic that it was going to be a new start and go back to where we when we first started, rather than. But it just kind of just took off from where we where we left off. Right. Yeah. Uh, for and it, that, I think that to me, Paul was really so. I think that's when he went to his darkest times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the with with the band, you know, definitely yeah. because we both thought this was a new start, everything would be different, and it wasn't. In fact, yeah. it was probably the, the issues you had were probably worse and it, it was still there. So it wasn't. So I, mean, I think that was, and for me as well, it was like kind of a, oh, you know, it was like, it was like uh, winning the lottery and then losing your ticket kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, great. And it was great. And there was loads of interest. He was playing big venues and that. And then, but it was still the same. Like it's like we hadn't even split up and it was just the same issues were there. And it was kind of a bit soul destroying, really. I remember. I was on bad anxiety after that because I was so disappointed in it. So I can imagine. What was, what, what was particularly disappointing you? Because on the surface, it looked like a massive success. You were doing. Oh, really no, it was. It was artistically, it was a massive success. But just like I think being back as a close band again, the good thing was, the good thing that came out of it, me and Paul got back really close again, which was good. Because we'd have bits in the middle where we weren't friends and, and, and people had got involved and, got, and we weren't. And that was sad. But literally, it was like starting again, literally in the first five minutes, we were, we were best friends again. And that, that was really, really good. And we both said that to each other since. We both said that was the best thing about it. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, the, the issues that were in the band hadn't changed. You know, the, uh, so that was that was really disappointing. What are you talking about there specifically? Just Sean's attitude towards everyone? 
I think, well, yeah, not just that. I think everyone's attitude towards each other. I think, yeah, I think the, the, the dynamics in the band to be, mm. you know, to be very conservative about saying what I'm going to say. But, yeah, I think the dynamics about in the band and uh, kind of taken for granted, that kind of... I don't know, there's this theory, not that we wanted uh, acknowledgement at the time and all that, but if you could pacify us as much as they could, you know, that was it. It was really Sean's manager, not the band's manager. Mm-hmm. We had this opportunity where there was interest to get it started again. Oh, no. And we knew, and you knew. And that, I think I think that you knew, Paul knew, I knew, we all knew, and we were powerless to do anything. And that kind of, that is, that makes you feel something close to your story. Oh, that, uh, that makes you feel, you know, bad about yourself because you're not really, you know, it was a t- difficult situation. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, and I think just because opportunity, we were, and we got back and we played really well. Because, but I, I tell you what was interesting because when it was a proper band, the proper band, it was so much different, so much better than the Fake Mondays. It was like a different. It was like it was like a massive different monster. It was amazing, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of thought. I think everyone thought it was going to be a bit of a process and a bit difficult. It wasn't. It came back straight away. Yeah, it was really, really good, and everyone was excited musically. Are there any like quintessentially Paul anecdotes that you can think of off the top of your head? Just funny, funny one-liners. What about the what about the funeral when when all his nicknames were read out? Oh, he's the best at nicknames. Absolutely brilliant at nicknames. He was what? Oh, there's what? Right, there was one brilliant. So there was there's always as you know, but there's remember I don't know why this one just come to me. It just come to come to mind. I was about seventeen, and there was this journalist. A female journalist in Manchester, uh, quite attractive, and Paul had got friends with her uh, through. He was a friend of her friend, friend of hers, and he friend, and he said uh, he'd done an interview with her. I said, oh, she wants to interview you." So he said, uh, "So oh, okay." So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the friends got talking. He said, "Oh, she fancies you. Will you go on a date with her?" So I said, "I'll go on a date with her if a friend comes and Paul comes as well." So I went in the it was a there was a pub across the road from uh Phil's Phil Saxe's the Arndale. And the two girls were already sat there. And Paul sat with a friend and I started talking, sat with this with this with this journalist on this date. And I thought, oh, she's quite attractive. Yeah, it'd be a good date. But I didn't know her real name. Paul called her Android. And I, and I thought, why is he called that? And when she started talking, she talked a little bit like that. So I thought, oh, but only a little bit. So I thought, oh, that's that's because of Android, you know, that's why he calls it. And I forgot a little giggle to myself and all that. And I thought, that's fine. Anyway, so after a few drinks, she said, oh, I'm getting up to go to the toilet. And she got up and she went like this. <laughs> I was like a robot and my head just hit the table. I looked at him and I went, you bastard. <laughs> and he went, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he had this other girlfriend from uh, Boston called Paula, and he used to call her Olive Oil, which the song was after, but his, his other nickname for her was uh, Peepers and Creepers, and he'd met her in, in town, he said, oh, we're going to meet her in town, come and meet her, and I was, I don't know who I was, I was with a girlfriend at the time, I went and meet her, and uh, she turned up and she and I said, why do you call her Peepers and Creepers? He said, you'll see, and she came in and she had big feet and big eyes, and I was like, you bastard, you know, <laughs> Peepers and Creepers, Olive Oil. And then it was funny, we had a... Uh, when he was going out with Alison, I was going out. I met a girl from Liverpool when I was in Rill, and I was going to go down and see her for the weekend. And Paul went, "Oh, I'll drive. I'll take you down. I mean, I'll take you down and drop you off." And 
we'll drive back down Sunday and pick you up if you want anything, you know. She's like, oh, I said, oh, really? Went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did, and we got to the house. And her and Alison knew each other. They'd been on a school trip, and the two schools had met in Wales three years earlier, and they knew each other. Wow. It was, how was that? Wow, that's weird. Isn't it? Isn't it? Really weird. Wow. It? Well, they both went, oh, Alison, oh. She called Suzette. Suzette and Alison, oh. And they went, you know each other? They went, yeah. Oh, so but, bizarre. Um, how crazy is that? Yeah, weird, weird. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Life's strange, isn't it? Yeah. It's yes, not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I think we're, we've been given the wrong information about things generally. You reckon? <laughs> you reckon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything, yeah, yeah. And you know, that, that's the other thing that was lovely about Paul and all that, because all my theories and my spirituality and all that kind of stuff, even though he wasn't, he never ever ridiculed me or ever, but he just let me go on about it and then he'd smile or say something or have a joke about it. He never ever ridiculed like, Others in the van, band and roll their eyes and go, you and you, you know, but never did ever, never ever. I think he's pretty open minded on the yeah. spiritual yeah. sense. I, I really yeah. do. Like he, he was very open minded. I, I think that's why I, yeah. I, I think that it's very likely that he's around. Like because I'm working on this podcast and I'm seeing him, or I don't think he's dead really because I see him all the time and it makes it feel like it's weird. It's really weird. I know, but yeah. You know- I know, I know, I know. Yeah, he's, got... he's the only person that had a nickname that was a. And this is this is this is probably one of the greatest. Because uh, we had loads of nicknames for each other, you know. I used to call, we used to call him Alf Roberts and Snobby <laughs> and all that. We had loads of nicknames for him, but he had one and loads for me. We had the best nicknames, and no one ever got offended. You know, no. no matter how, how bad the nickname was, no one ever got insulted. Yeah. We never got upset with each other. The nickname that me and PD would give him. And it wasn't even a word, it was a musical line. So that, you know, and you probably know so if, if he'd do something that was really awesome, like me and PD would go, ding, 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 ding. And even Paul had like, even at a gig, it was one of the first bass lines he ever caught for a song called, I think it was called Weekend Starts Here or something. It was one of the very first bass lines he ever came up with. And like, say you'd do something like the past year, and I'd look at him, he'd go, ding, 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 you know. Or like we used to, like we'd walking down, we'd be walking down the street and there'd be some like uh, you do real caricatures of Tajasia. They'd be like some overweight Greek bloke with a big dark beard, a beard walk towards me. I'd look at him and go ding, 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 ding. Or if there was like a skinny camp bloke with blonde grey hair, he'd go to me. Mm, no, you know, you know, he's up. We'd have to. His nickname was ding, ding, ding. His nickname was a baseline. How brilliant is that? Like, isn't it? And I tried to explain this to people the night again. It's like you can't really, I can't articulate it, but his, 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 his nickname was a baseline. <laughs> It was nice to see PD at the funeral. He was well, three of us are really close at one point, really, really close. Yeah, are you still in touch with him? Not too much, but a little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's, the three of us are really, really, you know, yeah, we've gone through a lot together, haven't you? It's been a lot. Oh, you've had a very similar sense of humor, you know, very similar, you know, yeah, yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you, anything you thought you wanted to say, or any other funny things? Just that it's it's a cornish cliche in the world, but you know he was he's an older brother to me, and he really was. He was like I mean, he really honestly, really, really, really felt like that. I'm not being disingenuous. He really was. Oh, is that Sandra? Hi, Sandra. <laughs> Hi, Sandra. 
How are you doing? <laughs> hey, are you coming to the do, Sandra? Yeah, yeah, we're all Excellent. hoping to get there. Okay. Yeah, brilliant. You're not, you're not going to be there, Gaz, are you? No, my mum started drinking already for it. Good, good. Are you, are you going to be back? No, in? I'll go back to camp, but I might not, but if my passport don't come through, oh, I might all still right. be here. Well, then so you'll be at the do. I've never had a problem with a birthday before, but now this one, it's too much. I'm just going to call it my 50th. Right, I'm going to the pub. Yeah, okay. If you want to speak again, just let us know. We're doing another time. All right. Yeah, I might. I've got loads of time in Canada. All right, fantastic. Thank you so much. Right, really. fact, I'd like to like to talk more about it because it's been quite cathartic. That I feel uh, right. just got a shiver down my spine. There, he's fucking here, isn't he? Yeah, got, of course he is. Oh, just got all really cold shivers. All that's weird. Really? Oh, oh, it's boiling in here. Okay. Honestly, I'm not. Oh, that is fucking weird. Oh, it's not going either. Oh, that's not going. Oh, oh, that's very strange. Oh, fucking hell, my heart's going now. Oh, that's very weird. You know, you get cold shivers, they last for like five seconds. Yeah. Oh, that's very weird that my heart's going now. That's fucking weird, that. That was very weird. Fucking hell, right, I'm going to go. I need a pint. All right, thanks, Gaz. Yeah, speak again, please, Anne. Let's speak again. Thank you, Loads more anecdotes and things about it. I want to speak about him a bit more. All right. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. of course. Oh, yeah, brilliant. yeah, yeah. The, the more, the better. We've got, oh, we've literally, we've got twenty episodes. So there's, oh, there's hours and hours and hours of this, and like it's just going to all get released. Oh, so, yeah, I want to talk more about it because there's loads of good things. There was about, and I remember more now. I would definitely yeah. just start start making little notes that, to remember some stories because the the funny bits are just great. Like we need a bit of light relief. I did, and, right, okay. So all speaking right. of. Take care. Talk to you soon. Give my love to Vanessa and the boys. Well, we're going right. to see you. See you later. Take care. Later. Bye. Bye. That's all we've got for you this week. But Gaz is going to be back in another couple of the bonus episodes coming up in the coming weeks. The song you're about to hear is by Gaz's project, which is called Yogi G and the Family Tree. And the song is called The Ballad of David Bowie. And guess who's playing bass? Yes, the one and only Paul Ryder. Do go to our website, which is paulryder.tv, and you'll find links to everything that you might be interested in there. Special thanks, obviously, goes to Gaz, who is just one of my favourite people in the world. And, of course, to the man himself, the late, great Paul Anthony Ryder. Lots of love to you all, and please come back to us same time next week. Bye.
Listening Productions. Yeah.